Father, we thank you, Lord, to cover this specific word as we journey, Lord, into the places that you're sending us and that we find ourselves resting at now. We thank you, Father, that we come to a place of Shiloh in our faith and our walk, a place to encounter you, Father, and at the same time to expand our dominion in the realm of the kingdom of God that you've given us. And we thank you, Father, that in this place we have safety as as the, the children of Israel did in Goshen, Lord God, that nothing could come upon us. We thank you for that, Lord. We bless you for that, Father. And we receive it and declare it. Now guide us, Holy Spirit. Guide us in spirit and in truth as we have prayed. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, I don't think I have to spend a whole lot of time convincing everybody that at this midpoint in the year 2020 uh, that the world is on the brink of despair and chaos. Uh, confusion, uncertainty, and one word that jumps out at me is perplexity. And perplexity, just in our definition by English language, it's a noun, of course, and it means when something is complicated or it's unaccountable, no accountability. Or similarly, bewildering or confusion, a lot of confusion. And the Word of God speaks about that. And it tells us in the Word of God that if we look even at what Jesus said as he was instructing his disciples about what would be coming, how would he return, what would be the season, what would the world be like when we should anticipate with eager expectation the coming of, of the Son of God. And beloved, <clears throat> we have been journeying into a place called the place of next. And our journey began 100 days before this new year. We didn't know where we were going, but the Lord told us to pray that we were coming to a new place. And we had profoundly declared and spoken out that it wasn't just for us as a church, but that it was the world, that the world, and, and, and who would be so bold to say such a word from Canfield, Ohio, that the world was moving to another place? And now we see the whole world in a different place. We see a, an invisible enemy called COVID that, that found its way to the four corners of the earth. And a couple hundred nations were sheltered in and changing the very economies and their politics and the status and comfort of living. We don't have seen such a thing, not even in World War II, was there such an impact on the entire earth. And then, if that wasn't enough, we now find ourselves moving into another era of anarchy and lawlessness and some good-hearted people trying to define justice and redefine futures. But at the same time, as we spoke two weeks ago, a, a spirit of delusion being released on the earth, as the Lord said would in these last days. And, and that delusion is finding itself a home where there is confusion because people are looking for an answer and so we tend to believe lies when we don't understand truth so many lies going out and we also understand with that spirit of delusion that it said it would be a time of lawlessness exactly what we spoke two weeks ago who would have thought that within just a few mere days lawlessness would break out in cities all across this nation and find its way. People are trying to figure out how did this issue 
that began in, in Minneapolis, how did it find its way to France and Germany? I'll tell you why, because it's called a spirit. And that spirit doesn't have boundaries, and it doesn't know just people and names. It moves. And so that spirit of lawlessness just finds something to feed upon. And here we sit at a time when, when good is called evil, and evil is called good. Policemen are called evil. Law and order is called evil. And now some bright anarchist somewhere came up and said, let's, let's test and see if they'll defund the police. Such an ignorant thing. And while we're doing it, let's begin to pass some laws through governors and cities and take advantage of the opportunity and begin to suppress the Second Amendment so while we're defunding the police, people can't defend themselves. Give them a spoon out of the kitchen when someone comes through their window. When they call 911, tell them to take 10 steps and someone will get to them in the next month or so. How many of you called somebody when you were concerned about children recently and, and, and you asked them, would they check on a family? And they tell you, well, we'll put it on the list and they don't get there for three or four weeks and the children suffer. That's what it would be like. It'd be even worse. Who could think of such ignorant things? But yet, well-intended, good-hearted people are led that way because they're in a spirit of lawlessness and delusion and perplexity. When the world is perplexed, it only has a few ways to turn, and that's back introverted to itself or to just have a herd mentality with others that want to lead somebody somewhere. Or maybe the light of Jesus Christ to lead to the truth. Perplexity. Confusion. And confusion renders people to be vulnerable to delusion. And that's what we're seeing. An ultimate spirit of delusion and confusion. I look back at one of the greatest tragedies of my lifetime here on earth as pertains to justice and society and people trying to, to, to democratically determine what was right for us and our children and those of us who were even in school at that time, believe it or not. And it was called justice and the democratic way for the people when they decided that it was illegal to pray in the schools. How's that been working? Ask my dear friend, Daryl Scott from Columbine, who lost his daughter, Rachel. Ask those family members whose children have been martyred and murdered, sought out to be killed by that same spirit. And so now we see another attempt to deprive us of safety, security, and common sense Christianity. You know, there's a common sense to Christianity. And that common sense is based on the morality of God, and He puts it in our hearts. And we know right from wrong instinctively because of His Word and of the Holy Spirit. But yet we find ourselves stymied, afraid to speak out because we might be labeled as being insensitive to something. Beloved, that spirit of anarchy and lawlessness, it knows no color. It knows no color. 
just like Jesus Christ knows no color. But we must speak out against it. We must stand against it. And at the same time, we have to walk with that banner of love that Christ walked with. It's good to have dialogue. It's good to listen. But it is ignorant to just change for the sake of change. God says we transform from a glory to a glory, not from a glory to lawlessness. That's the wrong transformation. So, perplexity. Let's build on it a second. Let's look at, look at uh, Luke, the book of Luke. And in verse 24, starting there, this is Christ who's instructing his disciples who he knew would not be alive at that time here on earth, but with him, of what to look for when perplexity began to resound. And he said, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Let me stop right there. The times of the Gentiles is measured by this, by Jerusalem. Do you understand that? That's one of the measurements. And then there's another measurement. And that measurement is the gospel going throughout the earth. So we see two time clocks ticking simultaneously. Israel and the church. One Lord, the God of Israel. One bride, the bride, that will be retrieved by the Lord, both Israel and the body of Christ. One God, one Jesus, the Messiah. And yet the clock is ticking. And in 1948, Jerusalem was regathered. And it became again the capital. And then it took a little bit longer after that. And Jerusalem ended up being coming again. One city no longer being trodden over by the Gentiles. And yes, it's been strife and it's been warfare. But that was a prophetic clock that began to kick in the late hour of his glory for Jesus to return. And then Paul said this, Romans eleven twenty five. he said, don't be ignorant of this mystery unless you're wise in your own conceits. What is that? Conceited, arrogant, blind, not wanting to see the truth, wearing your religion as if you own it and others have been cast off. Be ye not ignorant of this mystery, lest you're wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And then all Israel shall be saved. And so it's clicking. And Gentiles are coming in. Beloved, I know I, I agree with my friends and I know them personally who are crying out for a great awakening in this nation. So be it. But there is a great awakening going on in the earth and maybe sometimes we get arrogant about who we are in the body of Christ. We are members of the body of Christ. We aren't the brand of the body of Christ. Go tell Pakistan that there's not a revival there. Go tell Iran there's not a revival there. Go tell China there's not a revival there. Go tell Africa there's no revival there. They're on fire for God. There's an awakening going on and the fullness of the Gentiles is coming in. And Christ says this, to his disciples. 
They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth dismay, perplexity among the nations, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the surging of the waves. Men will faint from fear and anxiety over what is coming upon the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. New International Version, verse 25, there will be signs on the earth and nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. On a prophetic sign, when, when it speaks about the sea, Many times it's talking about people, nations, populations. So in Jerusalem, when it says, I looked out along the throne and I saw a sea of people. And what he's saying here is that the people are, are, are in anguish and perplexity at the roaring of the people. We hear a different roar. He's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's waiting for us to release his roar. You are the voice of the roar of the lion here on earth. And so stand strong. Speak the words that God has given us, those prophetic words. Speak down those things that are released into the atmosphere as a spirit of delusion and confusion causing perplexity and say, no, in the name of the Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah roars out truth. And we shall not be in darkness. We shall be in light. And so the time clock is moving. Well, we determined that we were moving into the place of next. God gave the vision. And after we hit January 1, and we began our fast and to pray some more, we got the revelation of the place of next. We didn't understand how profound it was, and now we know. But the place of next is not the same place for everybody on earth. There's a place of next for those who refuse God, who choose a different place. And then there's the place of next for the people of God. And our banner, as the Lord was showing me last night and I was praying through the early morning, he said, son, lift up the banner over the place of next. Now, those of you who have played the game, you know, steal the flag, is that what it's called? Capture the flag, steal the flag, come from the hood. Capture the flag. And, or if you've been in the military, you plant your flag. The Lord says, plant a flag in your place of next. And on that flag, say, prepare the way. Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's who we are. And that's what we're supposed to plant. And you know, it was always a little confusing because God put that in my heart from the moment I got saved. And I didn't understand. And I remember once a, a mentor of mine and a dear friend and a good teacher saying to me, you always say, prepare the way. I, how do you prepare the way? And I looked at him and I said, I don't know but I know that's what I'm supposed to do when the time comes. And now the time is here. And we're to prepare the way. We're to be a voice in the darkness, crying out the light. We're to be ones who have understanding of these times and aren't afraid of them. We're to be the ones that say to the plague, stand back from the plague, you won't come near me. 
We need to be the ones who know the Word of God, stand on the Word of God, preach the Word of God, minister the Word of God to people, and live in the power of miracles and signs and wonders. That's who we are to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. It requires us in this place, the place of next with our banner high, it requires us to begin to open the doors to many rooms in this mansion called the place of next. And so what I'd like to do is just open a few of those doors with you this morning. I'd like us to just walk through with them, and I'd like you to embellish them. Interesting that we see that, that there's a time that all of us were succumbing to being sheltered in, <laughs> sheltered in. Well, God has a place of refuge that he shelters us in. He gave the city of refuge in, 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 the, in the Pentateuch, and he tells us that he is our refuge. And so to be sheltered in means to be protected from difficulties or unpleasant realities. But Isaiah cried out, and the prophets cried out, and Joel cried out, who could stand in the day of the Lord? A mere person can't answer that question. It's beyond our abilities. And beloved, if we're not in the day of the Lord, we're right at the precipice of the day of the Lord. Don't expect you to hear some gong go off and tell you exactly where you sit in the time of the Lord coming. In fact, Jesus said, don't even think that way because I'll come at a time when you're not thinking I will. And he tells us what we're to do is to watch and to pray. We're to be watchmen and to discern the times and to see the season. And isn't it interesting that all of this transition of this chaos and confusion and spirit of delusion is fitting Scripture because he said you'll see the fig tree. You'll see the tree, and the tree, when it begins to sprout itself and its flowers and tells you in the spring that summer is coming. I was looking yesterday at some of our trees, and in just the last week they began to sprout. And I was praying, and I said, Lord, that's, that's the season. He said, yes. Do you see the season, son? Do you see the season? And so we're moving into that summer. That summer where uh, eager expectation to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord must be that which consumes us. And we have choices to make. What shall we do? How shall I react? What shall I be? Shall I try to go back to life as it was before this season, or shall I make a determination and say, you know what, I'm going to walk this way now in this season with the grace of God. Without the grace, we can't make it. But he always gives more for the season. I know I'm going to knock this over, so I'm going to put it right here. <laughs> and I brought that back from Jerusalem. I don't want to break it. Sheltered in. When we need an answer that surpasses our human abilities, we can look to God and God gives us the answer. And in this place of next that we're in, we already said that he showed us he was going to give us supernatural provision. We saw it. We saw it before COVID. We saw it before anything. And we declared it and said, Lord, you have it all stored up for us. But he said, we must access it. So we know it's there. And in this place of next, when we enter into refuge, God promises at least three major things. One is supernatural provision. God provides what we need in the place and where we need it. Supernatural protection. God promises to protect us. And supernatural direction. 
Those are the three things that we're praying for in this season right now, that God will make us fully understand what he has in the storeroom for us. And each one of those is a door in this mansion of the place of next that we're at. As we prayed on together last week about Shiloh and Joshua, and, and, and we understood that Shiloh, I visited, it's in the place of nowhere. But from that place, once God put his people in there, he said, seek me in there, worship me in there, and begin to expand your dominion from that place. Our place of next is to expand the kingdom of God and his dominion. And doesn't it make sense that he will give us protection, he will give us provision, he will give us health, he will give us direction, because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will supply all those things that you need. So in this place of next with our banner, where it says, prepare the way, our sub-banner says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added. I don't know about you, but when you begin to wonder about how you're going to pay your bills next year if all your money runs out this year, or if it's already run out, or how are you going to take care of this when this happens, and you listen to all the fears, and you see us running up trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of debt in the matter of days, knowing that it's just digital money. Currency has become a commodity. It doesn't have any, any, any tangibility to it anymore. It's just numbers. And they want to turn us into numbers. And they want us to just have numbers to buy numbers. And without numbers, you don't get a number. That's what they're trying to do. And, and, and they're moving very, very fastly about it. They're going to tell you soon that you're not going to be able to travel somewhere unless you get the vaccine. The problem with vaccines is many of them they already tell us they're not the same as they were the year before. People get the flu vaccine, and most of the ones I know get the flu. Well, it was the A vaccine, I got the B vaccine, but then it moved over to this, and it's not the same strain it had there. Why would the COVID vaccine be any different? So you're going to get a vaccine that's going to give you comfort, and now you're going to be able to travel somewhere, but without it, you can't go. Funny thing, when you get that vaccine, they're going to sign a number to you that can be traced to the vaccine. Interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? You see, I'm not a conspiracist, but I am. I believe in what the Bible's saying, and I've never laid out for anybody all the, all the points that go right to the coming of the Lord, because I don't understand them all, but I know the season that we're in. And I know some of the things that we're supposed to be looking for not to receive. You see, I tend to believe that the Antichrist is alive on the earth today. I tend to believe that Jesus is coming to this generation. I believe it. I live it. It's vivid to me. I also know we have a lot to do to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. I know he's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And I know that it's by the blood of the Lamb and it's his righteousness that the wrinkles are gotten out. But... I think some of our wrinkles are too deep. I don't think a little shot of spiritual Botox is going to release them. I think it takes some plastic surgery. And we need to do that. And I know there's a work going on in Israel, and God is going to bring them back down to their knees, and it's got to, not going to be a knee that agrees to a kind of a justice that is okay, but isn't the justice of God. It's a knee before Jesus Christ. Now listen... 
I'm not going to go any further about knees other than to tell you these knees, they bow down to Jesus Christ. And it's not in defiance to somebody else's logo or slogo or whatever they want. These knees, they bow to Jesus Christ. I was once brought to a mosque and I was sent there and to represent the, 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 the Christian pastors in Miami, I don't know why they got me. It made no sense, right? An Italian Jew who believes in Jesus Christ sent him to the mosque. And the mosque had just gotten, gotten stoned and fired, and they wanted to show that Christians were going to show them love. So I said, I'll go. And I took two of my disciples with me that were in my Bible college. And we went in there, and it was wonderful, and they thanked us, and everybody said their spills and speeches and brotherly love. But then it came time to go in to the actual service of the mosque. And everybody there, including the city people, they got on their knees to Allah. And my two disciples started to go down, and I grabbed them both by their hair. And I pulled them up. They said, what's wrong? I said, these knees only bow to Jesus Christ. And when I left, I told the Iman who who I saw he was a little shocked, but he also understood. I said to him, sir, please do not be offended, but just as you only bow to Allah, I only bow to Jesus Christ. He said, I understand. Thank you for being here. Beloved, don't buy in and drink the Kool-Aid that's being put before us. And don't judge the people that are behind it. Most of them don't know. It's the blind leading the blind. You understand that? And what did Jesus say? When the blind lead the blind, they both fall off the cliff. Don't go over the cliff. Don't go over the cliff. It's more than bowing down about a flag. It's about a spirit. Get your spiritual eyes and understand what we're dealing with in this country today. I would be very thrilled if I saw people taking a knee, praying to Jesus for justice. I'd kneel with them. I'd kneel with them, but I'm not going to kneel to a false god. It's not going to happen. And you may have to make that choice. You may be called names for it. You may be branded things that you're not. You may be said you're prejudiced. That has nothing to do with being prejudiced. I had a slot. They asked me to do a program on TCT, and as I was actually on a, on a bulldozer that morning praying about what am I supposed to do this afternoon go get showered quick and zoom in to TCT the Lord said I don't want you on there today I was a little relieved I said oh thank you Lord I don't have to shave I could still smell and stink and I'm on a backhoe and I could get this work done before it rains and he says I want your brother Herman on there I called Herman I said Herman what are you doing he was in Texas he goes oh Frank I'm so upset. Herman is the founder and director of the Asian American Christian Alliance. He said, Brother Frank, no one's listening to us. He said, I know for a fact that Asian businesses have been targeted in many cities to be looted and burned. I know it for a fact. And Herman doesn't lie. I said, my brother Herman, I said, the Lord wants you on TCT day. Can you go? He said, I just got done praying for the Lord to give me a pulpit to begin to get the message out. (laughs) 
Isn't it funny? Lives matter. Asian lives matter too. I hear nobody speak in that case. I hear nobody speak in that cause. Hispanic lives matter too. Jewish lives matter too. White lives matter too. Lives matter. The one thing I can tell you I know and expect with all my heart when I see Jesus, I don't know what color he's going to be, but I know what color he's not going to be, any color we expect him to be. Maybe he'll look like a rainbow. I don't know. I know as Elvita King tells me all the time and tells the world, and that first came out with her when we were doing a Reformation Congress in Washington, D.C. together. He, she and I and Harry Jackson and a few others. And she said, blood has one color. One blood. One blood. And wouldn't that be a good motto? One blood matters. One blood matters. You see, because that brings us all in to, together. And do I grieve? And let me say something else. I want to be sure and clear. There is absolutely some issues with, with some police issues around this country. I don't know if ever of you have ever been put in a chokehold by a policeman. I was. Darn near killed me. Crushing my pipe to the point I couldn't breathe anymore. And it was unwarranted. So, yes, some of those things need to go away. Some people need to be retrained and reeducated, but not too many. My heart breaks for the, the black captain, 77 years old, that was shot and murdered by a looter. And yet I watched on the news and some liberal professor, she said, looting isn't violence. Say that to his family. Or the other officer stabbed in the neck. Or the poor girl that was trying to defend her store and they beat her up and threw her out in the curb because the police couldn't get there. We're in a very perplexing time. That's why we need to focus our eyes where they belong, on Christ and the answer of what He is. But at the same time, we need to speak boldly and truthfully. And there might be a price to pay. You might get branded. And I'll tell you something, usually when you're branded and somebody puts a name on you, it doesn't fit. But it happens anyway. I've been in that place many times. And I look and I say, oh my God, couldn't be farther from the truth of my heart. But we still must speak what it is. And so, in this time, we are in unprecedented biblical and historical times. I believe we're deep in the throes of the most radical transition of any age since Jesus Christ came on earth the first time. And the climax to this historical time is unfolding right before our eyes. Very vividly. Christ put it like this. He called it labor pains. Mark 13, 8, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places as well as famines, but these are just the beginning of birth pains. Beloved, the baby is coming down the delivery chute. The baby is somewhere in that gestation period waiting for the coming of the Lord. It's beyond being conceived. There's birth pains, and there's an expectation going on. And Christ told us we would feel these pains. 
And he said these are the beginning of birth pains. Well, we've seen the beginning. We've seen war against war and nations against nations and earthquakes and famines and pestilence. We've been seeing all of that. But now we're seeing something different. Spiritual anarchy and lawlessness like we haven't seen on the earth in a long time. You might ask, how bad can it really get after all? We live in grace. We're under the blood covenant. I don't have an answer for that myself. But Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. Matthew 24, verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. Listen to this. And unless those days are shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. That's how bad it's going to get. Now, you can find a church that will give you an upbeat sermon. I can do those too. In fact, I had one of those. I threw it away about 8 o'clock last night when the Lord said, Son, I didn't call you to give that message. Because I said, well, the people are coming back. I want to make them feel good, and I want them to be happy and hear a good message. And he said, they got all kinds of places to go hear that. Speak what I tell you to speak. So I threw it away. And I got up very early this morning, 3 a.m., started receiving the download of what God wanted. Here's the good news. In our place of next, he's got it all for us. The time that we're in, we are called to participate in the building of the kingdom of God. I'm going to close with these couple points, and Lord willing, I'm going to revisit them starting next week. This point, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Let me repeat it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. A lot of watchmen doing a lot of talking. All vanity. They really have nothing to say when it's all done. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sheep. All of the battle plans, all of the wisdom, all of the direction, the courage, the stamina, it's all about God. It's not about us at all. And it's not about a motivational message. Motivational messages have their place, and rah, 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 let's go out and fight. I don't know if any of you, when you participated in sports, you know, you got a good rah-rah message and your adrenaline ran up until you got punched in the nose and then it was like, oh, that didn't last too long, right? Talking to old football players, go out and smash them in the mouth. Take it out of them as fast as you can. Or you're in the, in the ring and they throw some water on you, you're bloodied up and they tell you, go on out and give it to them and you go out and you get sucker punched, right? Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts more than your thoughts. That is how 
we need to reach in these days. I'm going to cover some of these points, Lord willing, again next week. But this one I want to lay out to us. One of the things that we need most of all to pray to God for is stubborn faith. There used to be a word in the vernacular Italian that um, my grandfather would speak. He didn't speak perfect Italian, although he was from Italy. And he hardly spoke any English whatsoever. And I didn't know he didn't speak perfect Italian until I took Italian in the university and they told me how bad my Italian was. But one of the words he used to use was cabados uh, stunard. It means a hard head, stubborn. Stubborn cabados. That's what we need to be in our faith. We need to be stubborn and hard-headed about the things of God. We're not here to negotiate God. <laughs> we can't compromise God. We can't change His Word. We can't negotiate Him. We need a stubborn faith. We need to be fully persuaded, even as Abraham was. He said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, fully persuaded, giving glory to God that what he had promised he's able to perform. And it says this in Romans 8, For I am persuaded, for I am persuaded. I'd like us to put it up on the screen. For I am persuaded, Romans 8, 38. Now I want us to say it together. For I am persuaded that neither let nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Bless the Lord. The place that the Lord has brought us to, that he showed us is the place of next, is a place where he's going to give us more power to overcome. We are those that must overcome now. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Unfortunately, the testimony that got you saved isn't going to overcome anything. It already paid its spiritual capital. You're saved. The testimony that's going to overcome is the one that comes out of your mouth this moment, this day, this hour. What is your God talk? What is your prayer life? What is your prayer life? In the place of next, we must pray. Because God says if we cry out, He will answer. Well, He wants to answer, but He says if you will cry out. And so that's why we're resuming tomorrow, uh, Tuesday night here at this church, 7 o'clock. Prayer. Prayer where we declare we move in the Spirit of God. We declare the things of God for the body of Christ, for the ministry, for you personally. It doesn't require, unless God moves, that we're laying on the altar for 24 hours, weeping and sleeping and, and trying to impress God. He doesn't get impressed with that. What moves is that we come with the right heart and press in. And the Lord spoke to us, didn't He, two weeks ago. He said, eight weeks of prayer. Little did we know what was about to come upon this nation. What he did reveal to me was this. Expect some more turmoil. I think you remember me sitting right here 
and of course I did it on charisma and released it some other things, I said, what is this nation going to do when the next thing hits us that's not COVID-19? That's not the end tale of it all. Little did I know it would come this soon. There's another one coming. A lot of shaking going on the next 90 days. And then in September, we're going to begin to see in the season of Sukkot some stuff begin to change and shift. Don't worry. God's going to win. But we must pray. We must pray. The Lord said, eight weeks of prayer. We're the second week. We're starting the third. Tuesday night, I'd like you to join us if you can. Amen. And those online, we'll put it online. You could join us too.